So if we uh, turn for our scripture readings this morning, first of all, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 45, we'll read a few verses there from 20 to 25. While you're turning there, I bring you greetings from the church at Howard and Carlton um, Baptist Church. We greet you in our Saviour's name. Isaiah chapter 45, from verse 20 until the end of the chapter. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image, and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Saviour. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself. The word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, in the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified, and shall glory. For our New Testament reading, let's turn forward please in scriptures to Romans chapter 14, the epistle of Paul to the Romans and chapter 14, and we'll take the time to read the whole chapter. Romans chapter 14. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, 
Every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offence. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth, and he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. May the Lord add his blessing to the public reading of his word, and help us now as we seek his face in prayer. Eternal Father, our Lord God <coughs> in heaven, We come to thee, Lord, through that name, which is above every name, <clears throat> the name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We do pray, Lord, that thou wouldst receive us in his wonderful name, that all-glorious name, the name of our Redeemer, Christ alone. Lord, we do not have anything that we can bring to thee, only, Lord, to confess our sin. But we know that when thou dost look on us, thy people, thou dost not see this, Lord, thou dost see the righteousness of thy dear Son wrought for us. And we wear this, Lord, and our sins are paid for in that work that was accomplished at Calvary. We thank thee for this. And we gather here today on the first day of the week, the resurrection day, and the doors are open in this place once more after this lockdown situation. We thank thee for this, that we can once more gather with others um, to worship thy most holy name. Be with us, Lord, we pray this morning. May we know um, thy presence here, and may we be fed from thy most holy word. Feed each one, we pray. Lord, we pray that thou hast not sent any empty away. Lord, we ask that thou hast meet with us. Thy promise is sure that where those are gathered together in thy name, thou art here in the midst of us. And we plead that promise now, and we ask that we would feel this. 
Lord, we pray that thou hast meet every case. Thou dost know the condition of all that are gathered here this morning. And we pray, Lord, that thou wouldst build up thy people, build them up in their most holy faith, feed their souls. And if there are any in our number that do not know thee, Lord, which have not been wrought upon by thy spirit in that saving way to cast their cares on thee for their eternal good, Lord, we pray that today would be the day that thou wouldst speak to their hearts um, with power and that thou wouldst uh, turn them from the ways of sin to thee, Lord, the one true God. Lord, we thank thee that we have the freedom to worship here. Lord, we thank thee that this place in Potton has, is, is open and we are able to preach the uh, um, unsearchable riches of the gospel. And Lord, we thank thee that we have places in this country, up and down this land, which now have the doors open and we can meet together. Lord, we cannot sing thy praises as we would usually do, and we cannot um, shake each other's hands or have fellowship in the way that we would like to. But Lord, um, we do um, thank thee that we are at least able to gather once more. And we pray, Lord, that thou wouldst turn the tide of this awful plague which is in our land and in our, um, in our world, that thou wouldst remove this, Lord, and that thou wouldst, uh, we would see um, thy hand in these things. But Lord, we do thank Thee um, that we have had the technology to listen in to services over the last few months and that Thy Word has still been preached and that um, we have... Um, be, we have a good health service here as well, Lord, all provided by Thee and blessed by Thee. We thank Thee for all of these provisions. We pray, Lord, that Thou hast keep the coronavirus from um, uh, any um, that are here um, in this place. Lord, and we ask that ours keep us safe. We are mindful of the precautions we must naturally take, the sensible precautions. But Lord, we look to thee as our strength and our deliverer. Lord, we do pray that thou wouldst uh, uh, be with our country at this time. As it seems, Lord, that everything is spoken of apart from thee, Lord, and people are looking to governments and to the health service and to leaders for solutions to um, uh, the um, economic and health um, uh, problems that this country faces. But Lord, there is not that crying unto thee. And Lord, we pray that uh, our nation would turn to thee once more and that we would turn to thee in repentance and faith. Lord, we pray that thou would save our leaders. We pray for Boris Johnson. We ask, Lord, that thou would save that man. That is, answer prayer and heal him. And he is now restored um, to health. But Lord, we ask that thou would save his soul and that he would declare what thou hast done for him. And that we would see others in government and in high places that declare um, that they have their faith in thee alone and that, um, well, that, that, that this is where their trust is. Lord, may we see um, both from the top down and from the bottom up, as it were, um, that there is that turning uh, to the true God. Lord, we pray um, also um, that thou wouldst be with thy people throughout the face of this earth. In many places today, they are gathered together. And we think of those, um, those places in, in this earth where it is dangerous to name the name of Christ. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst give them strength. We ask, Lord, that thou wouldst uh, um, help them. May their witness be used by thee to turn hard hearts, to break hard hearts, and to turn many to, the, to, to thee. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst um, uh, overturn the designs of wicked and evil people that seek to do harm to those that love thee. Lord, we pray um, that 
these times would end and that uh, in places like North Korea and in the rural areas of China and in other Middle Eastern countries where Christians are persecuted, Lord, that they would have relief from this and that uh, they would be able to meet together in freedom. But Lord, um, we know, Lord, that there will be plagues, there will be wars and rumours of wars, there will be persecution in some places um, in these last days until that has come. And Lord, when we look at the state of the world and we look at uh, um, the, um, uh, the, the sinful condition of man, we have to cry out with thy disciples, O oh Lord Jesus, come quickly. We pray, Lord, that that day would soon come where we would be with thee to, to be united for all eternity. Lord, we pray for this. We do ask, Lord, that thou hast give us strength for the days and weeks ahead. Be with us in our providential paths. Let us know each of, of us, Lord, our innermost hearts and desires. And we pray that thou wouldst um, uh, guide us in thy ways and that we would not um, backslide, we would not be left to sin or to bring reproach upon thy most holy name. Forgive us, Lord. Be with us as we look into thy word now. Lord, we pray for thy presence and help. We ask, Lord, that thou wouldst forgive all that is amiss, for we ask this in the name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Right, we'll turn back to the uh, uh, passage that we read in Romans. We've had, um, over the last few weeks, I'm sure you would have seen this in um, the news or on the internet or wherever, there has been um, the uh, revival of the Black Lives Matter movement. Black Lives Matter movement, which started in 2013 in America, and um, it, is, it is, of course, um, the... Uh, the foundation of that movement is to, to react against um, any racist behavior. If you actually look down to the manifesto of that movement, it's very much um, anti-God and a very worldly um, uh, um, ideal behind this. Of course, as Christians, we believe that we're all of one blood. We are all um, equal in the, sights of, in the sight of God. But this whole, um, this whole uh, movement has come to the fore after the um, awful killing of um, this man George Floyd in America and um, we wait to see what uh, the details are as that goes through the justice system um, but uh, that's led to demonstrations across different countries and it's led to many people hasn't it taking the knee taking the knee bowing down um, and bowing down to this ide ideology there is no discussion about this at all you either bow down or you're considered to be a bigot and anti this movement. And it's put some people in difficult positions. One of our leading politicians um, was photographed bowing down and then they pointed out to him that the movement actually um, stands for defunding of police. And uh, he had to confess that, or he quite cleverly said that he was um, joining the moment, not the movement, uh, which uh, was getting out of it. But there is this pressure to bow down to the, this ideology. And today, um, we, we can choose whether we bow down or not. And of course, there's a price to pay for some celebrities if they don't. But one day, we will all be bowing down, and we will have no choice. 
We will have no choice in this at all. We will all, every single man, woman, boy and girl that has ever been born in this world will bow down. And we read of this in our text, which is in verse 11 in this chapter. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. This appears in the epistle of Romans. Romans was written, of course, by Paul. Um, in, he was the inspired author. It seems to be written around about AD 57 to 58 AD. Um, and uh, it was written to the church in Rome. And, of course, um, Rome was the center of the, of the world, really, then, at that time. And uh, it, we don't know quite how the church at Rome was formed. But it's likely that some converts from Pentecost had traveled back to Rome and they were perhaps Jews or Gentiles, perhaps a mixture. Um, there was a lot of travel to and from Rome at the time. And uh, there a church had been started in Rome. And Paul is writing to them. In this chapter here that we've read together, uh, there's the, really the idea of this chapter is that well, sometimes in a Christian life we can be tested more by believers who accuse us of things or put stumbling blocks in our way than by unbelievers who persecute us. The summary of this chapter would perhaps be the first part of verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself. In the world, don't we? We say no man is an island. We cannot live to ourselves. We have to be mindful of those that we mix with. This is the same in the church. To put this verse into context, the chapter is really split into three parts. From verse 1 to, set, 1 to 9, we have the idea of acceptance. That some people in the church may be difficult to live with, if we're brutally honest, but we have to accept them. We have to accept their differences, and we have to accept that they are God's people. And we are together. We are one. No matter what the cultural differences or the differences in practice, if the fundamental um, fundamentals are there. From verses 10 to 12, we have the idea of accountability. We have no right to judge. We are accountable to God. And it is not what we feel like. We cannot trust our own hearts. The Bible says that our hearts are desperately wicked and they're deceitful and often the world is always singing and talking about trusting your heart if it feels good it must be right and that's the way that we should go the bible teaches exactly the opposite we should not trust our hearts verse 13 to the close of the chapter to verse 23 is about ambition really it's not to get our own way not to force our own way on other believers but to pursue peace not causing others to stumble. But in the middle of this chapter, where we have this idea of acceptance, accountability and ambition, we have this text which um, we are looking at this morning. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue confess to God. We see in this text the sovereignty of God, we see um, also that sinners will also be bowing to God and we also know 
that those that are saved will be bowing to God as well. The first hymn which was sung by uh, our sister earlier, um, it had that refrain, didn't it? That every heart will confess that Christ is Lord. And every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. For it is written, this is how our, our verse starts, it is written in God's word, in the Bible that we treasure and which we read, God's inspired word. I think sometimes in England we don't value God's word as we should. This is written and um, for our instruction. It is everything we need um, in this life. It is what is God. It is it is God's word for man, giving him everything that he needs for spiritual life um, in this world. It reveals Christ, and we should treasure it. Preaching is really explaining and expounding God's word, nothing more. As Protestants, we believe in God's word alone, sola scriptura. And that's one of the five solas which we, most, we hold to. It sets us apart from other so-called Christian um, uh, beliefs and, or, or practices. Um, and we don't need to go through a list of them all, but um, all of them, apart from... Um, Protestants will be adding either tradition or um, other writings or beliefs um, to um, their framework of religion. Whereas we believe it is um, God revealed in the Bible alone. It is written. How often we, we read this in the Bible? It is written. And this is confirming that this is God's word to us. We have the inspired word of God. The best thing you can do, my friends, if you um, have neighbours or friends which don't know the Lord, of course you can pray for them, but you get a word of the word of God into their hands somehow, into their homes, and that they would read it, and that they would study it and pray for this. And you might think that's difficult to do. Well, start young. Start young. And when, they, when a baby is born that, um, it, to a family that you know, and I've done this many times, and it's never been refused. Give them a, a, a Bible for that child, and write their name in the front, and give it to the family. They will accept it, they will see that as a gift. And how many times, if you read autobiographies of Christians, that they were brought into a very low place, and they, they picked that dusty old Bible off the shelf, and they started to read it. Uh, God's word is powerful. It says that it's powerful. It's more powerful than a two-edged sword. And it will, it, will, um, it, 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 is, it will be used by the Holy Spirit for the saving of many souls. Many churches in this lockdown um, period have, and, and uh, my church at Howard have done the same. They had a, um, a table out the front in the street for people to take Bibles in the lockdown situation. 185 Bibles were taken in the little village of Harold. We pray that that word will be blessed. God's promise is that it will not return to him void. It is written. God's word is, is, is so vital. You see, we have um, the written word. And the written word reveals to us the incarnate living word. And that is Christ. You see, um, um, he's, it, we read in the opening um, words of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is described as the living Word. It is written. God speaks through his Word. My friends, you're all here today in 2020, July 2020. None of you can 
ever say before God that you didn't hear the, um, the word of God or you have no access to Bibles. Um, that's where you are. You have it. Um, and preaching is everywhere. We have it online. We have it in the churches in this country. We need discernment to what we listen to. We need discernment in, uh, in, in um, who we pay attention to. But there is no excuse. We are without excuse if we ignore the word of God. Paul here in this verse, he is quoting um, the verse that we read earlier in Isaiah chapter 45. That unto me every knee shall bow. And of course in Isaiah 45, um, that is, that, um, Isaiah there is speaking of Jehovah, Jehovah Lord. So when Paul is quoting um, this verse here, it is clear that he is equating Christ with the eternal Jehovah. It's one and the same. Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. This was the basic Christian confession right from the start of the church. The early Christians were martyred for saying that, those three words, Jesus is Lord. They were told that they could live if they would say Jesus is Lord and Caesar is Lord. But no, they stuck to Jesus is Lord. And if they once a year, if they were able just to go and sprinkle a little bit of salt, a little bit of incense on an altar and say Caesar is Lord, then they would not have been put to death. But they refused to do so because Jesus is Lord. You see, um, this, this thing, these things were, were, um, were real to those early Christians. Jesus is Lord. This is where we stand. We're here today on, um, on Sunday, the first day of the week, the resurrection day. Why is Jesus Lord? Verse 9 explains this. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived. What does that word revived mean? That means that he is back to where he was in his glorious state in heaven. He's revived, he's back, he's back there now. He's, so for to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and living. The resurrection of Christ shows, is that infallible proof that he is Lord. He has conquered death. And he has now ascended into heaven. And one day he will return. And at that day, every knee shall bow to him. He is in heaven now ruling as king. We're worshipping him here today. And we're back here for the first time since lockdown on a Sunday. Are we hearing his word? When Christ appeared as he will do in glory, when he appeared at them on the Mount of Transfiguration to those three disciples, in those, in those, um, where they, they had to hide their eyes because he was so white um, in those garments. Then that voice from heaven came, didn't it? And I love the way it's recorded in Mark. Mark is such a, a blunt man in the way that he records it. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Hear him. Hear, listen to him. In Hebrews 12, verse 25, we read, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. You see, Christ, we can think of all of the different offices of Christ, um, as well as being prophet, priest, and king. He's our redeemer, isn't he? He's our mediator. He's our savior. He's our creator. He created the world, and he created you and I. He's our high priest. He's our judge as well. We are accountable to God. We will stand before him. And in that day, 
we will stand before him and he will either be our saviour or our judge. He will be um, one of those two when, when, uh, when, when you stand before him. As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Every knee shall bow. Well, why will people bow? Well, there be many, um, there be many reasons. But if you think of those atheists these days that hate God, that say they don't believe in God, but yet they spend all of their time arguing against God, um, which is crazy if you think about it. If they don't, if he didn't exist, why put all that effort into arguing about it? But you have Stephen Hawkins with all of his intellect that is, uh, that is um, focused on um, trying to prove there is no God. And we have Stephen Fry, who, says, who is, is so gifted with so much um, uh, articulation of speech, and yet he argues against God all the time. We have these people, you can think of some neighbours perhaps you have, or friends at school, or work colleagues, and they're atheistic and they hate God. Why will they bow? They will say, I will never bow. Well, imagine now, why every one of you now, imagine now that everyone here knows you now as God knows you. Imagine that. That God knows all of your sinful thoughts. All of your thoughts this week that you've had, God knows them. God knows all of those secrets that you have, which you haven't told anyone. Those things which happened many years ago, which you're utterly ashamed of. May have only been a thought, but it's still a sin. And... God knows about them. Think about all of the sins from last, um, last week, so far this year, over the last 10 years. All of these sinful thoughts and desires, God knows them. God knows them all. God knows them all for every single person. Would you be so proud? Would you be so um, carefree to talk to people if all of these thoughts and all of these sins were on public display for everyone to read? No, you wouldn't. You'd run out of town. You'd, uh, um, you'd bow down in shame. Well, when this last day comes, and these men and women um, that do not know the Lord as their saviour, and they're before him as judge, all of these things will be revealed. And to their shame, that's one of the reasons they will bow down before him. You see, these, this will be a terrible day for those that don't have a saviour, a terrible day. We think of um, what it would be like to be a sinner in this day, this last day, when every knee shall bow. We read in Revelation, don't we, that and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And then you know what happens? The strangest prayer meeting that ever happens. They're there hiding in the rocks. And what do they pray to? They pray to the mountain. And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. Don't harden your heart like Pharaoh. Don't do this. You know that there's a living God in heaven. You know that there will come this time where you have to bow the knee before him. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible takes sin so seriously. You see, um, uh, there was a, 
a man that lived, uh, um, I think, 150 odd years ago called Robert McShane, and he said, to talk about heaven and hell and sin and judgment, it's a very hard subject to speak of lovingly. But we have to. We have to preach it because the Bible is full of it. Jesus spoke more about these things than he did about heaven. And uh, we have to take these things very seriously. Well, how seriously? Because the world doesn't take it seriously at all. Let me show you how seriously Jesus spoke about sin. If we turn to Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9 and verse, um, from verse 43, what does Jesus say then about, about sin? Practical things. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. If thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, Pluck it out, for it is better to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. I don't think we could explain sin more, more seriously than those verses there which were uttered by our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean for us? Well, let's paraphrase what, it's, what it means. If you are looking at things on the internet which are wrong, and I, I don't speak in any judgment or all, I'm speaking practically. If your iPad, iPad offends you, throw it out. If the internet offends you, throw it out. If your phone offends you, throw it out. If these things are sinful, if a, friend, a friendship is sinful, then, then you have to do away with it. This is what the Bible is saying. We need to flee from sin. And if we look into our hearts, we see so much sin there. And so many, so many temptations exist in our world. And, uh, you know, these, these things are, are serious because we have to remember that God has said, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. There was a Puritan man that lived in the 1600s called John Flavel. He wrote a book called The Mystery of Providence, which is hard going to, um, for uh, modern reading, but it's, um, it's, it's worth perusing at least. But he writes um, elsewhere, not in this book, he writes, Doth not the eye of God see all the evil and wickedness in all the secret corners of the world? How admirable then is the patience of God towards the world? Who can imagine how much wickedness is secretly practiced in a town or city every day. You see the world laughs at the idea of sin. It calls evil things good and it calls good things evil. And if you, if you uh, speak to um, the world about sin and things being wrong in the sight of God, they, they laugh at you. They laugh at you because these things are not sinful. You know, it's, it, it, um, it happens that uh, if you correct someone for blaspheming or, or, or for saying something awful about, uh, about God, they look at you as if you're a bit way out, a bit strange. Why would you be offended at such a thing? Everybody does it. Because one day you'll be bowing before that God. And these things are very serious. God has put us here in 2020, as I say, here right now. 
and we have to deal with the world as it is. This is where God has put us. We have many benefits in our day and generation, and we're very thankful for it. And um, sin has always been prevalent in the world. It's easy to think, okay, we have all of this um, sin going on now, which is so public. Yes, it was going on before. It was going on in Roman times, Greek times, um, Middle Ages, you name the age, these sins were happening. Perhaps some, in some times they were more hidden than others, but if everything was, it was going on. Say not thou, what is the cause, that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. We need to, rather than look around, look inwardly at our own hearts and think, how will we stand in that day when the Lord has said, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. You see, I hope that everybody here this morning would go along with me when I um, declare that Jesus is Lord. I hope that everyone here would say that. But remember that the Bible also says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Because we have this group, this majority group of the human race, which are sinners. But you see, in fact, all of the human race, I rephrase that, all of the human race, of course, are sinners. But out of that, out of that group, there are those which have been saved, those which have been called, and they are a remnant. They are in the minority, but yet it will be a number which no man can number who are the redeemed. They were sinners. They are sinners. They are sinners still. We read only a few chapters later in Corinthians, don't we, where Paul lists a huge um, list of uh, all kinds of sin and depravity in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 um, he says know ye not that the unrighteous shall not enter the kingdom of God be not deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves of mankind nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revilers nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God and such were some of you but ye were washed, ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. God has his people. There's an elect number of sinners which are redeemed. God's people, they're called, sometimes called the sheep, and there will be that dividing line of the sheep and the goats in that final day. But these people have been shown their sin, and they've been shown that they, they are, have need of a saviour. That's the kindest thing you can do to someone is to show that they are a sinner and point them to Christ. It is like being ill and um, going to a doctor. If a doctor says, you're not ill at all, don't worry about it, go carry on. That's not very kind of that doctor, is it? No, the doctor needs to tell you this is serious. If you don't do this procedure and this procedure, you will die. This is a, that's the kindest thing the doctor can do. It is the same um, with the work of the Holy Spirit. In love and in mercy, he teaches these people that they are sinners, that they have no hope in themselves, that they have fallen short, and every single man, woman, boy, or girl has always, and always will fall short of the requirements. There was only ever one that kept 
um, those, uh, every point of the law, and thank God there was one, his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. These sinners then, these, these, these people, God's people, they've been shown their sin. And then they've been led, haven't they, then to prostrate themselves at the feet of Christ. To bend the knee while um, they are living. To take the knee, as it were, to, to the Lord Jesus. And to say, Jesus, Lord, thou art my only hope. I have nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. They humble themselves and there is a humbling work that takes place in the soul of God's people. There's a well-known verse, isn't there, in 1 Peter chapter 5. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. It's a very well-known verse and it's very precious to those that love the Lord. But actually it's co-joined with the previous verse in verse 6. Which is, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And there's a colon, and it goes on to casting your care upon him. It's the same sentence. Those that have been led by God to cast their care on him have been humbled. Have been humbled to know that they have no righteousness in themselves, nothing, um, no pride left in them, no, um, nothing to plead, only that finished work of Christ made humble, saved by grace alone. Jesus Christ himself said, whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. I'm sure we all know some people that have departed um, this earth and are now with the Lord. And it, what, a, what a precious thought that is. I preach at different places as a church I go to over in Wellingborough and I spoke to the um, correspondent there a month or so ago about um, see how they were getting on in the lockdown and uh, I said how are, the, how are the brothers and sisters there in the church he said yeah we've lost one an old lady she, she contracted coronavirus and passed away she's now with the Lord and what a, what a precious thought that is that we know that she is with the Lord. She is now bowing um, before her Saviour. And she will never be parted from him. We will all one day be bowing. See, those that are redeemed, they're brought low in this life. And they're brought to bow in this life. In some sense, we're all God's children. Everyone. Because we're all made by God. As I said, he's, he's our creator. In that sense, we're all God's children. But some have been purchased with the blood of Christ. And they are his elect redeemed forever and ever. And will never be parted um, from him. When I was a boy, I, I was, uh, my first home was in a place called Shillington. A little village not so far from here. And we had a fireplace in the lounge. And my, my dad made... A, um, what he always called a copper canopy to go over the fire. He got some metal from some copper from somewhere, I don't know where he got it from, and he made this copper canopy over this fireplace. And I used to proudly look at it and think, my dad made that. Anyway, we then moved to a house in Silso, a village not so far away, um, to, from Shillington. And we had an open fire in that place as well. And one day we were, um, my mum was looking through the, uh, the free newspaper and she saw for sale a copper canopy. 
And she said, wouldn't it be funny if that was us? And, and I said, well, we need one for here. I'm thinking of redoing the room. Let's phone up. And it was the owners of our old house. They were selling it. They were selling this copper canopy that my dad had made. And we went there, and my dad bought it. And we fitted it in the lounge of this house. And I, I used to love that copper canopy. I think that is really ours. My dad made it, and he bought it. You see, and what a picture we have there of Christ. He's made you, and he's bought you. And he will never, ever let you go. You see, when Christ um, uh, finished that work, when he accomplished that work at Calvary, he was hanging there between heaven and earth, bearing all of the wrath of, for which was due to his people, there, which was poured out by the Father at that time. And then when those, that terrible um, few hours had passed, where the earth, as it were, hid its face from um, the scene by those darkness that covered the earth, then right at the end, what did Jesus cry out? It is finished. Actually, there was one word which he, which he cried out, which was teltelesti, which means is an accounting term. Paid in full. Paid in full. You cannot pay any more. It is full. It is done. It is complete. There is nothing to add. There's a risen Christ now, who's, who, that same Jesus, who rose from the dead three days after um, lying in the grave for three days, and after um, uh, being on earth for um, a number of days after that, he then ascended to be in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And when we pray to God, we pray through him and through, through his finished work. And God has promised to receive those that come to him through Christ. Bow the knee, my friends. There cannot be anything that you, that you can bring in your hand. You have to bow the knee before Christ now, while it is the day of grace. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. May the Lord write his word on our hearts and add his blessing. Amen.